I do not understand this football name in America. How how many of kicks is there in the football game? Six kicks? I'm gonna say it once and hopefully I'm wrong, but it's a disaster waiting to happen. I love all of those things with the piggy skin and the men running around. So much screams and then a toss and then everyone is in a large, large hill. A star is born in the NFL. I like the moxie, but I, more importantly, I like the poise and the noise. Oh, what are you doing? You gotta be paping me. It's Jonathan Elway. He was so sassy and cool and hey guys, I'm a cowboy. Bang, bang, sling, sling, toss, toss. I'm going to lose all the time. And then I win and then he leaves as he wins. You cannot beat this. From Munich, Germany, the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast with Kevin Gilligan. Yes, I'm Kevin Gilligan, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, lifelong Broncos fan. I recently moved to Munich, Germany, but as they say, distance makes the heart grow fonder, and so I still love them and love talking about them, even though it's from across the pond. Good morning, fellow Broncos fans. Yes, we are back with more Broncos talk as... Several teams in the NFL, I guess the best teams in the NFL, head into the playoffs and have excitement and heartbreak and balls clunking off of the goalposts. The Broncos are not quite so um, in an excited state as we just prepare to hire a new coach and the candidates are... Well, they're not the most exciting candidates that we've ever seen come out as head coaching uh, options. But either way, the Broncos are about to set their course for the next couple years. John Elway in perhaps what could be his last opportunity to build a team in Denver again. Um, he's got to get it right. And, and it's, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing to do when, again, you don't have a quarterback. You're rebuilding. You're, you're going to build a new scheme almost for sure on offense and defense. Your talent is okay uh, along you know both sides of the ball. You have a couple all-stars, a couple guys who are really great. You have um, Von Miller, you have Chubb, you have Lindsey, you have Freeman, perhaps Sutton. You have some talent, but you're also lacking a lot of talent. And part of the issue, too, is that the Broncos will be losing quite a few guys to free agency. And... There are a lot of positions that are going to have to be filled, a lot of holes that are going to have to be plugged on this team, and the next head coach and John Elway are going to have to find a way to do that. Now, the options, as I'm sure everyone and their mother knows by now, are Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator from Chicago, Mike Munchak, who is currently the offensive line coach in Pittsburgh, Zach Taylor, who's a young quarterback coach in L.A. for the Rams, Chuck Pagano, who has taken a year off from coaching, but of course was the former head coach in Indianapolis, and Brian Flores, who is the one-year defensive coordinator in New England. So guys that, again, they don't inspire a lot of excitement, a lot of, I don't know, joy at their names, um, but that's what we're left with, and that's what John Elway is left with, partly because some coaches didn't want to come to Denver. They're not all that excited about the opportunity. Uh, Mike McCarthy turned down an interview, uh, as far as we know. Um, and so it's going to be one of these guys. It seems the rumor so far is that it's most likely going to be Fangio or Munchak. They're the two guys with, with experience, a lot of experience in the league, and could without question bring those the leadership abilities uh, that John Elway said that he so so much desires in the next head coach. Now, 
Obviously, the leadership abilities aren't the only thing we're looking for. It seems that Vance Joseph was a good leader. He was well-liked in the locker room. I, I do believe his players liked him. I still believe that that the coaching candidates coming out right now are not much better than Vance Joseph, and I, I will stand by that. I said that from the beginning. Everyone knows it. I was a Vance Joseph supporter in a way. I didn't like him when he was hired. Honestly, I didn't really love him as a coach, but when you look at the options that the team had, what do you gain from firing him? There weren't many candidates that look good, and it's being proven right now. Now, yes, you know Joseph made too many mistakes. He lost too many games that he kind of had to be fired. But in the end, if you can't bring in someone who's better, why fire Joseph in the first place? You have to eventually give someone free reign and, and the ability to to fail and the ability to to learn on the job. And especially when you bring in a young guy, you have to give him more than two years, even if he makes big mistakes. Anyway, it's over. Vance Joseph's gone. He's gone on to greener pastures, oranger pastures, as I said in the article. Um, And he will be likely a defensive coordinator or possibly head coach in Cincinnati, where he obviously has has past ties with that organization. Now, in Denver, they can really go several different ways. I mean, Fangio is this defensive mastermind who's been a defensive coordinator for, I believe, 19-plus years for many different teams. He's built two of the best defenses in football in the last 10 years in Chicago right now since 2015, and before that, in San Francisco with Jim Harbaugh, and he he's a guy who who really fascinates me. He, he's kind of my leading candidate because he seems to be a total no nonsense fella, a guy who doesn't take crap, who tells you exactly how he think he, how he thinks it is. If you're if you're you know the the second string cornerback or if you're the GM. Now I think that's also why he probably hasn't been hired to any team as a head coach in the past. He's, he's been a candidate year after year after year, and he never gets hired, probably because he has a reputation of being a guy who's who's stubborn, who has a mind of his own, and maybe he doesn't always see eye-to-eye with, with ownership or management. Now, I think a guy who's been in the league a long time obviously must know at least somewhat how to work the system and how to get along with people, but clearly there's something that the GMs and owners around the league are seeing in him that they didn't want to give him that chance, or at least maybe he was the second best. And it seemed like he was the runner up for head coaching positions over and over and over. And so maybe teams went a little more with a safer choice. Maybe they went with someone who they knew wouldn't cause problems with, with the GM. Now, I don't know if Vic Panjo is going to cause problems, but again, a guy with that strong of a, an attitude, that strong of a personality, you're going to rub people the wrong way sometimes. And, and I actually like that. I think fans like that a lot. A guy who just doesn't care, just doesn't give a darn what other people think. And he's just going to come in and apply his knowledge and apply his skills and his leadership skills. And he's not going to listen to what anyone else says. Now, of course, any job, you're going to have to to work with management and you're going to have to work with your superiors. And he's done that for years. Come on, the guy has worked under many head coaches and it's worked. So he's obviously a guy who, who can work with other people. There, he's just going to have to find a general manager who is willing to give him that chance. And I think that John Elway might. He seems to be uh, kind of 1 or 2A uh, as an option right now. The other option that seems more likely than the other three is Mike Munchak. Now, Munchak was a head coach in Tennessee where he didn't see a lot of success. He was well under 500 with the record, but he also had just absolutely garbage quarterbacks at, at his time in Tennessee. Now, he's a guy who's really known around the league as knowing how to build an offensive line, even with 
less talented guys. He's very good at building schemes on offense, building blocking schemes, both for the running game and for the, the passing game. And having that experience in Tennessee and in Pittsburgh would obviously bring a nice little wrinkle to the Broncos. He's also a guy who's known for his leadership. He's known for being uh, a, I guess, a friendly guy, a guy that people want to play for, a guy that that you want to to have on your team, a guy who's a leader and, and who can bring the best out of his players. Now, he is just really not the sexiest hire, in, in my opinion. He's a guy, he's an offensive lineman, he's an offensive line coach, he, he's an old school guy, he's, he, he really helps with the big men, and other than that, I don't know what else he's going to bring to the team, so I think you'd really have to build around him with some really good coordinators, you're going to need to bring in someone really good on defense, perhaps they stay with Joe Woods, I think that's absolutely possible that you stay with Joe Woods and you let the defense have another year in his scheme, which as we've talked about before, it's so important to stay in a scheme because you don't have to learn something new, especially guys like like Justin Simmons who played every single snap of the season, if you make him go and learn an entirely new system, it's just going to be again doubly, doubly hard for him. And so if you don't make him have to do that, that's already an advantage. And I think Joe Woods did a good enough job. He had a defense that, you know, they they had injuries, they lost a lot of talent, and they found a way to, though they gave up a ton of yards, they found a way to not be terrible on scoring defense. They were a bend but don't break defense. And I think that Joe Woods, if given the room, he could become a very good defensive coordinator. Now, I think if Munchak comes in, that's very possible. That's what happens. Now, if not, maybe Munchak brings in someone like Pagano. Now, Chuck Pagano is obviously one of the candidates. He is a guy who, because he's from Colorado, maybe he would be willing to come in as a defensive coordinator, get back on the sideline. You already have a good core of guys on off- on defense, maybe even a great core. You're looking at Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, you know, a couple of the guys in the middle now. I don't love where the defense is at right now. I know some people would disagree with me, but I think this team is less talented than a lot of the fans in the Mile High Report writers would all would have you believe. Um, I think they're they're missing a lot of positions, a lot of important positions, especially at cornerback. I think their their inside linebackers could definitely be better. They're going to need to bring in some more pass rushers, as they're probably going to lose Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray. So. It's a team that, that, again, it has holes, but if you bring in the right coaches, you're going to have a better shot. Now, it's probably right now, again, between Fangio and Munchak. So Elway has to decide which direction does he need to go? Which direction is the NFL leaning? What, what is the best possible form of a team that can succeed in the NFL right now and in the future? Because again, you don't want to build a team over and over again. You don't want to rebuild every two years with a new coach and a new system. So you want to bring in a guy who's going to be here for a long term. Of course, that's every coach you want to bring in for long term. Excuse me. Now, if you bring in Fangio, again, he's a defensive guy. He's going to bring this defense back to the glory days. And I think you can count on that. He he is a very good mind on that side of the ball. You also already have talent, so you're going to need to probably spend a lot of money. You're going to need to spend some draft picks and really bolster that defense again. You're going to need to bring in some top cornerbacks because Chris Harris can't do it on his own. Now, he's a great nickel cornerback, but he's also coming off an injury, so we'll have to see how he can play after that. Bradley Roby's a free agent. He's likely gone. He's going to get too much money than the Broncos can pay him, and in my opinion, good riddance. And so you're going to bring, need to bring in someone either off the street or as a as a guy who you draft this season. Now, I don't love... 
drafting cornerbacks because they typically take a year or two to really come into their own. Um, Isaac Yadam is a is a, an example of that that a very talented guy, very uh, physically gifted guy, but he's going to really need to pick it up in the next few years if he's going to stick with the team. And he, I think he's a guy who potentially could become a decent third cornerback or maybe fourth cornerback. He's a good depth guy, but I think you need to bring in someone off the street, maybe someone like Kareem Jackson out of Houston, uh, someone who can really become your number two you know, or, or 1B cornerback. And you're also going to need to bring in, again, pass rushers. You're going to need to bring in big guys. You're losing Zach Kerr. You're losing um, 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 uh, the big guy in the middle with the long hair. Pecco, Pecco, sorry. And so because of that, you're going to have to rebuild this defense in a lot of ways. But it's the same on the offense. If you bring in Mike Munchak, you have practically no offensive line. You know, Matt Paradis is a free agent. He could be gone. He's going to ask for a big paycheck, of course, and he deserves it. Um, Veld here is gone from right tackle, at least. Again, he's a free agent. And who else do you want to keep? I guess Bowles is still your guy at left tackle, but he's not a guy that anyone's all that excited about. He's not a guy that I think you build a team around. Maybe perhaps he's someone who's, who lasts a long time in the league just because of his stature, just because of how big of a man he is. But he likely ends up at right tackle or, or guard position you know, sometime in the future. I don't think he's a an organizational left tackle. And that's something that if you bring in Mike Munchak, you have to kind of go in a different direction. You don't probably completely build around your defense. You probably try to build around your running attack and Philip Lindsay and Freeman and some of your young guys on offense. And so you, you, you're you putting a little more trust and faith in either Case Keenum or some other quarterback that you can bring in. Now, there aren't that many options, as we've talked about in the in past podcasts, that the free agent list of quarterbacks is slim, and there aren't many that look all that great. Now, people are saying, hey, we should trade for, for Foles, or we should trade for Carson Wentz from Philadelphia. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you do that, you're going to have to really, really trade your, your entire draft class, likely. And I don't love Foles. He's a guy who plays big in big games, but uh, I don't know. He, he doesn't he doesn't seem like a guy that you trade the farm for. And, and Carson Wentz is the same. He's, he's injury prone. He's a good quarterback, but I don't think he's a great quarterback. And I think you only trade, you know, number one draft picks for a great quarterback, especially when you're in the top 10 in this year's draft. Now, I understand these quarterbacks are much more proven and well-known than a top 10 pick, but I still don't think you go for it unless they are a great quarterback. And I don't see that in the Philadelphia guys. Now, we also have Teddy Bridgewater, who who we talked about in the past also is a guy who is a free agent. I like Teddy Bridgewater, but is he a is he a future is he the future of your team? Is he the guy you build around on offense? I don't know. I, I like his game. I think he's a very smart guy. He's a very accurate passer. But no one knows after his injury if he's the same quarterback. And even if he is the same quarterback he was in Minnesota, is he a building block of a team? Uh, maybe. I, I like him more than most guys. And so I could see that happening. I think he's an upgrade over Case Keenum. But remember that Case Keenum already has some guaranteed money paid to him no matter what next year. So if you dump Case Keenum, you're going to have to pay him and somebody like Teddy Bridgewater. Now, as we talked about last week, there's also the option of perhaps trading or getting Joe Flacco from Baltimore, who is clearly done in on you know with his time as quarterback in you know for the Ravens. He he didn't even get put in when Jackson was absolutely terrible as quarterback in their in their playoff game, <clears throat> in their playoff game against San Diego or L.A. Excuse me. 
So Flacco is also an option depending on who they bring in as as coach. Um, I would rather see Teddy Bridgewater, but I think Flacco might actually be more likely if Gary Kubiak is the offensive coordinator, if you bring in somebody like Fangio, for that, perhaps. So there's so much that could happen. It's all up in the air. And as I spoke of in the in the article, I do believe, even though this coaching class doesn't look great it's not exciting I do believe we owe it to John Elway to give him our trust to give him our faith that he has led this team to victory in the past we have to have faith in him now I think he's he's running low on his on his on his gimmies on on his chances with Denver and I think this might be his last chance he his contract ends in 2021 he may be done with it. I, I don't think he ever looks like a very happy guy, either in the booth or, or anytime you really see him. Now, maybe that's just his face, or maybe he has so much pressure in that position that it's not all that enjoyable. I mean, he has so much on his back. The Denver fans are, are fairly unforgiving. They expect a lot of this team, which is fair. The team has been good for so many years, and, and Pat Boland did such a good job. Now, if Elway is gone, what are we getting after? No one knows. It's it's so much in the air in 2021. It could be new ownership. It could be no GM. It could be new president. Joe Ellis could be gone as well. His contract expires in 2021 as well. So let's t- let's appreciate what we have. Now, it doesn't always look bright. Yes, the last few years have been terrible, partly because of bad decisions made by John Elway, but partly because of bad luck. You know, the one decision to draft Paxton Lynch really set this team back. The decision to draft him and to not rebuild has set them back. Now, we have to give John Elway a little bit benefit of the doubt. We have to put our faith in him and say, "John, this is this is your chance, man. We we have your back." We have your back with whoever you bring in as head coach. Let's do this. Let's go 2019 Denver Broncos. And yes, just as I say that we should trust John Elway, the skipper dude is going to come up next and tell us why he thinks Elway is not perhaps handling this coaching search in the right way. And he is kind of taking it like he did as a quarterback and gunslinging and winging it and throwing the ball up in the air and hoping something works. Let's hear what the skipper dude says about the best approach to hiring a new head coach in Denver. Thanks as always for having me on, Kevin. I am the skipper dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. So today we're going to jump in on the hot topic of the moment as everybody else is, and we're going to take a look at the Denver Broncos coaching staff and the challenge uh, that, that we have ahead in replacing Vance Joseph. Now, by the time you listen to this segment, the deal may already be done. As I was recording this, things seem to be trending toward Vic Fangio, but um, it's still certainly up in the air. What I'm not going to do today is to give you a breakdown of the head coaching candidates that Elway is considering to replace VJ. There are plenty of football folks smarter than me, and and they'll be able to give you a better analysis of of these top candidates. Instead, what I'd like to do is discuss the process that I believe John Elway should be going through to choose the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. Because, guys, I honestly don't like where things are with the process right now. Elway, to me, is coming off, in my opinion, like that legendary quarterback he was. He wasn't great at following playbooks. He, he didn't read progressions particularly well. But he thrived when plays broke down, and he could improvise, and he had monumental physical skills 
to, to, to make things happen. Well, okay, that, that approach works great. If you're on your own two-yard line, you need a touchdown to win the AFC Championship. But when you apply that same cowboy mentality as a general manager to hiring a head coach, you end up audibling and making bad decisions and getting your heart set on guys like Vance Joseph. So, so my contention, and, and in truth, I may or may not be right about this, is that John Elway went about his process of hiring Vance Joseph back in 2017 exactly the wrong way. And I'm not convinced that he's doing a much better job this time. From, from what I've researched and, and what I remember from 2017, Elway only did three interviews. V, VJ, Kyle Shanahan, who was a courtesy interview basically for his dad, and, and Mike, and, and I'm sorry, Dave Taub, who was the special teams coach in, in Kansas City and is still today, still the special teams coach in, in Kansas City. Elway's obviously doing a better job this time with at least five you know, interviews, Fangio, Munchak, Taylor, Pagano, and Flores, but, but I still don't believe he's going about this search the right way. And I'd like to put my 30 years of business experience to, to work to explain why. So head coaching changes, whether it's the NFL, whether it's the Major League Baseball, you know, NBA, NHL, the, the, this cycle of, of life, basically, for a franchise is the best opportunity any franchise is going to get to take a step back, to do some soul searching, to reevaluate their priorities, and, and even to update their vision for success. Well, when he fired Vance Joseph and started his head coaching search, I believe the first thing John Elway should have done was to assemble a team of football insiders to map out a strategy for the next five years or so. And this team needed to not be a bunch of John Elway yes-men. It needed to be a collaboration of men Elway trusts, regardless of whether they agree with him or not. He, he needed to bring in dissenting voices. Um, he, perhaps he'd have included scouts and scouting directors, line coaches, you know, former coaches and GMs, perhaps even good old boys and, and, and old friends like Dan Marino or Jimmy Johnson or Bill Cowher, the legitimate NFL voices. Okay, then he needed to take this team hire them as consultants if he needed to, whatever he needed to do, but sequester them away at a retreat in a beautiful place, maybe five to seven days. Fill them full of good food and plenty of alcohol and, and take this brain trust and just take a few days and just talk football, okay? It's starting with what we call in the business world blue sky discussions, okay? Just very big picture philosophical stuff, where, where is the NFL headed strategically and tactically the next few years? What impact is player safety having on the game? Was this year's Rams-Chiefs 54-51 game an aberration, or was it a harbinger of things to come? Historically, defenses win championships. Will that still be true five years from now? What role will the tight end play in future offenses? You know, what is of more incremental value to an offense, a quality wide receiver one or a quality right tackle? I mean, just... Big picture philosophical stuff surrounded by good football people. So following that theoretical blue sky discussion, then, then this, this team of consultants needed to begin discussing the Broncos in particular. What's the Broncos' vision for the future? Are they going to focus on defense, offense, or a balance of both? Are they going to be strength or speed oriented, cutting edge or old school? Focus on veteran talent or youth? Um, how, how quickly do you try to work rookies into your starting rotation? 
Will you be boom and bust like like a team like the Seahawks or the Cardinals? Or are you going to be slow and steady like te- like teams like the uh, Steelers or Packers? And during this phase, I believe John Elway needed to mostly listen and just ask questions, try to keep his own opinions out of it, except uh, you know, in so far as he he could draw the the other members out and and, and get and to know what they think. As they wrap up this retreat, then the 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 team needed to develop a tactical, detailed vision. And that is mostly Elway's own vision, but with the basic head nods of this larger team. So, so Elway needed to go through, and, and he's been listening, listening, listening throughout this retreat, and then finally now he, he's going to work with the team and present his own future, his own vision for the Broncos' future for the next five years. Then, when that's done, now use that vision as a basis for finding his new head coach. What we're seeing instead seems, as a fan watching this from the cheap seats like I am, it seems to be something more akin to a classic John Elway broken play, where he's slapping together a list of names and scrambling to get through interviews so he can make a snap decision and not lose out on a guy like Munchak. The process just doesn't feel well thought out to me, in all honesty. So for what it's worth, I'm going to put out one principle here that I believe Elway should consider as he comes down the home stretch for this mission critical decision. If you want to build your team around the defense, and John Elway will always want to build his de- team defense first, then I believe he needs to hire a coach that has a history coordinating offense. And for that reason, I'm personally leaning towards Munchak over Fangio at the moment. And seriously, let, let me explain. Look at some of your great coaches in recent years. Bill Belichick, the most prolific offense in NFL history, was a defensive coordinator before he was head coach in Cleveland. Gary Kubiak was from the offense side, but his best Houston Texan teams, they, they won with defense. Kubiak's world champion Broncos were absolutely defense first, but, but Kubiak is an offense guy. So, so how does this work? Well, why does this, this work counterintuitively? Well, okay, so, so suppose for just a moment that I, the skipper dude, am the new head coach for the Broncos. I, I'm the Mike Munchak here. I come in as an offensive-minded wonderkind. I, I'm extremely self-confident, probably a, a bit arrogant, and, and you, you, know, you just don't control an NFL locker room without being the consummate alpha male, right? And, and I want to win a Super Bowl. Okay, so John Elway comes to me looking for advice. He has $10 million that he can put down on a solid free agent, and he has two that are eyeing the Broncos. One's a wide receiver, and the other's a safety. Who do I want? Okay, think about this. I want the safety. Okay, why? Be- because I want my talent on the defensive side of the football. I'm an offensive wonderkin, remember? I- I- you know, and-, and I'm super talented, and, and I'll, for- I'll figure out how to make do without that stud wide receiver if I can get the safety. With the obvious exception of quarterback and, and left tackle, I want my prime free agent dollars and my prime draft picks going to build up the defense. Give me a quarterback and a, and a left tackle, and you can starve my offense a bit to build up my defense, and I'll figure out how to make the offense work. So my recommendation to Elway, if you want to emphasize defense, bring in an offensive specialist as head coach, I'd go with one check. Kevin, back to you.
Okay, yeah, so I am generally optimistic about the team. I do think we should place faith and trust in Elway, but still, there's plenty that we should talk about, about the weird oddities of this franchise, this organization, the front office, and this coaching search. I mean, what on earth is going on with Joe Ellis doing a, a post-interview with the coaching candidates, except for Vic Fangio? So, I... I don't know. I, I don't get it. I mean, it's, it's a weird thing that I think Mike Kless was reporting that Elway and his team would, would do an interview with the, the coaching candidates, and then Joe Ellis would do one by himself on his own. Why? Didn't Joe Ellis just come out and say that John Elway was in charge of the process? That John Elway was making the decision? If that's the case, why is Joe Ellis even there? Why is Joe Ellis in the conversation at all? And this apparently becomes more and more obvious that it's an issue that Joe Ellis has his fingers in every single pie of the Denver Broncos. Now, yes, that is the CEO's prerogative, but sometimes you need to let your football guys handle things and let the guys who have experience as GMs and as football minds make the decisions and stop putting your finger everywhere. Man, I mean, I I think fans are starting to to, to learn about Joe Ellis and starting to say, who is this guy and what's he doing? What's his job? To me, it seems like his his main job as CEO should be bringing in money, which means bringing in a sponsor for the football team or for the the stadium, excuse me. And he hasn't done that in what? Is it four years now? Five years? That's not good. I mean, that's like his primary goal right now. And instead, he is you know, sitting behind John Elway's shoulder and playing backseat driver to his decisions. Now, does Elway deserve that? Hasn't Elway done enough to to deserve not just the fans' trust, but to deserve Joe Ellis's trust? And it seems like Joe Ellis has been involved in some of the worst decisions so far made. Now, I think Matt Russell was more involved with the Vance Joseph hire, but Ellis apparently was part of it too. And Ellis was the guy who wanted to bring in Josh McDaniel. So I wouldn't say he's the best judge of football character, and again, I think he should leave it alone. Go, go back doing what you're, what a CEO should do. Start worrying more about your, your reputation among in the league with, with your ownership issues and with whoever, whichever Bolin is going to take over the team or if they sell it or if the trust is, is broken up or, or whatever. I mean, that's enough of a mess. And now Joe Ellis, it goes and, and is, is doing an interview right after John Elway. What's the point? Are, are, are you saying, hey, I need to see something that John Elway doesn't see? But no, 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 no. I trust Elway completely. I, it, ah, it seems like a joke to me. And, and I think it's such a, a good example of how this team is, is, is kind of an organizational mess. And it starts from the top. And I don't think Joe Ellis has been you know particularly good at giving this team a good reputation. Now, yes, we say that now because the team is a mess. Now, back in the Super Bowl days, in the Peyton Manning days, it was a different story, and we didn't talk about Joe Ellis, at least not in a negative light, because they were winning. Now, now that we see this team a few years later, I think we're all fairly convinced that that success, that that record of, of winning, and that the, the many trips to the playoffs and the Super Bowls was probably mostly due to Peyton Manning and maybe even to Marcus Ware, their leadership in the locker room, their ability to to not just lead a locker room, not just lead their fellow players, but to bring an entire organization into the mindset of of winning and putting everything into everything they do and and, and the accountability and respect and, and passion. And these two guys really brought that to this organization. And since they left, there has been nothing but but confusion and, and failure. And 
it shows us that there is something deeply wrong with the leadership of the Denver Broncos. Now, that being said, every problem off the field can be solved or at least covered up by a good product on the field. So John Elway and Joe Ellis and the whole organization know that they must succeed on the field in order to get this garbage out of the the main headlines in in Denver and across the NFL and in, in all of the U.S. That right now the Broncos are not looked upon as a quality organization. And that doesn't just hurt the reputation. That hurts their chances to win on the field because you can't bring in top head coaching candidates. You can't bring in top coordinators. You can't bring in top talent because they don't trust where your organization is headed. And it's a perfect example. Why do top players go to New England? Why do they go to Pittsburgh? Why do they go to Baltimore? They go to these places, not necessarily because the coaches are are great, which, okay, sometimes they are, or the quarterbacks, perhaps sometimes they are, but is Joe Flacco great? No, you have good teams, you have good players go there because they have a good structure and leadership. They have consistent leadership. You know what you're getting from their, from their organization from top to bottom, and that's not what's happening right now in Denver. And that has to change. The culture from the top to the bottom must change. They must bring in someone. If it's Peyton Manning, if it's some other leader in the NFL, though I know Peyton Manning is kind of one of a kind, then bring him back in any capacity. I don't even care what it is. I mean, Peyton Manning can come in as as, as co-CEO. Bring in someone who can bring that trust back to the NFL so that players and coaches and coordinators are going to want to come back and be in Denver and be with this organization that for many, many years was one of the top places to play and coach in the entire NFL. And they're not there right now. They're a mess. Absolute mess. And as fans, we see it too. We, 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 you see it not just on the field. You see it in their, in their coaching hires. You see it in, the, in their possible coaching hires. And it's a hard thing to deal with. And that's exactly why I say we must have faith in Elway. We must have faith, which means pretty much we are giving our trust blindly to Elway because our hope, our, our concrete wishes and desires are often not met, at least not in the past years with this team. And so we have to have faith in something or it's just pure despair. It's, it's, it's sports despair. It's, it's the idea that we are going to turn into the Cleveland Browns and never again have success. And that is not who this organization is. That is not what this fan base will deal with. And so the, the front office and everyone top to bottom have got to figure out a way to bring back respect, to bring back accountability. Is it going to be Vic Fangio? Is it going to be Mike Munchak, Chuck Pagano, Brian Flores, Zach Taylor? I don't really care. I don't know if fans really care. But in the next few years, they're going to have to prove both on and off the field that they are competent, respectable, and of course, that they can win. That's the most important thing in the NFL. Of course it is. Nobody cares if if the Bolins sell the Broncos if the Broncos continue to win, right? Maybe we'll care for a week or two. Maybe Mike Kliss and, and all the other guys reporting are going to report on it for the next couple of years, but most fans don't really care. You see a, you see some article about the, the ownership and you, you just skip on by. Now, yeah, I think... 
if most real fans know that it is a big issue, the ownership problem is a major problem, but nobody cares. All they want to see is winning. All they want to see is victory on the field. And the team, as it is built right now, is not built to win. I mean, partly because, yeah, okay, you don't have a coach. You just fired a coach after two years. You showed you didn't trust your coach after one year. And now, many of the top candidates in the NFL don't want to come here, probably because the ownership, the management, don't place your trust in the coach. That's a major problem. So coaching is not the only problem. Management's not the only problem. Talent is a problem. Do you, does anyone in their right mind believe that Case Keenum is going to lead this team to, to postseason victory? No. He was never going to be that guy. And, and yeah, Elway was put in a bad position because he made a terrible draft pick and then didn't rebuild. So who are they going to bring in? Or is it going to be another year of Case Keenum? It's probably another year of Case Keenum who is probably the most whelming or underwhelming quarterback in the NFL. He was bottom five in almost every category. So who's going to return the hope to the Broncos? Not the faith. The Broncos should have faith in LA, or we may as well go and drink from the the bottle of Jack that we have hidden under under our desk. But the hope must be returned, and it must be given to the fans on the field, off the field. And that's what John Elway must do in this offseason, or they're going to continue to have people not show up to the games. You're going to continue to have empty seats. Fans are going to head over to the, the, the Denver Nuggets, the Rockies, the Avalanche, and they're going to say, you know, we're not going to spend money on this team, on this franchise, until you put a winning product on the field. Because that is all that we care about. Period. And this team has a long way to go in doing so. So as we continue into the offseason and we're looking for the the, the reasons to, to hope for this team and, and we want to see them headed in the right direction. We have to ask ourselves, what is the right direction? What is the, the, the way to win in today's NFL and tomorrow's NFL for that matter? And when we look at the teams that are headed to the, to the divisional round of the playoffs, man, I am having a hard time talking today. As we look at the teams headed to the divisional round, it, it's interesting to look at how they win. We did this earlier in the year, and we looked at the top eight teams. Now, we can really look at the top eight teams that are still in the playoffs, the teams that have found ways to win, either if it's because they were the best team on the field or if they just got the ball to balance in the right direction, kind of like the Broncos did in 2015, though, of course, they had a great defense. They also did get a lot of the right bounces. Now, I think that's the same case with Philadelphia last year, and it seems to be the same case with Philadelphia this year, that they just somehow find a way to win. Now, that's one of the matchups, of course, coming up, the Eagles and the Saints. And this is a really interesting matchup in my mind because the Saints are kind of your one of your flashy teams. You have Drew Brees, you have Sean Payton, you have Kamara, you have this offense that's one of the best offenses in the NFL this year. They're, they're continually one of the best offenses 
in history. I mean, Drew Brees and Sean Payton break record after record after record, and they will continue to do so. I mean, Drew Brees will probably set every record on offense as a quarterback that you can set. Now, they also have a good defense, and so they've really turned around and turned into this complete team, and they are 13-3 and in the regular season. They're one of the top teams headed into the postseason. And, of course, they're at home. They're playing on turf. They're playing in the Dome. That is where they succeed the most. That is where they want to be, and that's where they will be in the playoffs. Now, again, they are winning with a Hall of Fame quarterback and a very good offensive head coach in Sean Payton. Now, the Eagles are one of your weird teams. Now, yes, they have a good offensive coach, coach in Peterson. Um, and they're, I mean, Nick Foles is one of the most clutch quarterbacks ever somehow. <laughs> I mean, he, he sets numbers and, and sets uh, passing percentages and stuff that no one has ever done in the playoffs, ever. Nick Foles, I mean, he's the backup. He's the backup in Philadelphia, yet he continues to set numbers that break records in the NFL, and, that, and that's saying something. So the guy has figured something out, some way, some, I don't know, mentality to, to succeed in the NFL playoffs. Now, is it all skill, or is it, is it stepping up to the plate and, and playing your best ball at the right time? And I think that is obviously the case in Philadelphia. And so I think you have to put a lot of that on the coaching staff, that these this team is continually prepared to play big, to play in the biggest moments, to show up when it really matters. And not every team can say that. Now, I think Chicago played a good game, and they should have won, could have won. Now, obviously, the, the last second field goal was was tipped at the line and hit off the crossbar twice, propelling Chicago into an early uh, offseason, an offseason that they were not ready for. But the Eagles, who snuck into the playoffs at the last second, found a way to win and they've done it two years in a row I wouldn't say they're the most talented team they don't have any real position that really sticks out to me I think they have a very good offensive line they have a very solid defensive line and the rest of the team is is good they're just a good team they're a good solid fundamental football team and sometimes that's just what you need to win and and Bill Belichick and the and the Patriots have done that year after year after year that the good coaching, a good quarterback, and just solid all-around play wins you playoff games. Don't make mistakes. Make the other team make mistakes. Show up in every phase of the game and you will have a chance to win. And, and, and again, the Patriots are another team in the playoffs in the divisional round, as always, and they're facing the Chargers. Now, the Chargers just obviously won their game in Baltimore and just totally dominated Baltimore on defense. Now, that doesn't surprise me, and I don't think it surprises a lot of people in the NFL because Baltimore was so one-dimensional. Lamar Jackson possibly has a future in the NFL, but if he does, he's going to have to find a way to learn how to pass from the pocket. The moment seemed too big for him, though, yes, he kind of came back in the fourth quarter. You could tell that he was not prepared for the moment, and the San Diego was completely geared in to win that game and to dominate Lamar Jackson, and the Baltimore offense. Now, the Chargers are a team that I've talked up all year. Now, their offense has seemingly disappeared in the last few weeks, but I think they are a team that also can can find a way to win. They are a team that are solid in every phase of the game. They have a, a, a really good returner on special teams. They have a very good potentially Hall of Fame quarterback in, in Phillip Rivers. They have a, a really good defense with, with Ingram and Bosa on the defensive line. 
And I think that they are a team that could surprise people in the playoffs. I think that they are a better overall team than the Chiefs. I've said it all year, and I hope that they prove me right. And I hope that they beat the Patriots, of course, because I hate the Patriots like everyone else. Um, and, I, and I hope it for, for Phillip Rivers, who I've professed several times to be a, a fan of Phillip Rivers. I'm not a fan of the Chargers, but I like Rivers. I like what he stands for. And I hope he sees success. I would rather him win than the Patriots. I'd rather him win than the Chiefs. So if it comes to it and it comes down to Phillip Rivers and Patrick Mahomes, I will be full on hardcore rooting for Phillip Rivers. And I, and I hope the guy, I hope the guy has success. Now the other teams in the playoffs are Chiefs and Colts. They, they face off, of course, in Kansas City. The Chiefs are one of the top teams all season long. They probably will be for a long time. Patrick Mahomes is an absolute freak on offense. He is a freakish quarterback. He can make throws that almost no one else can. Maybe perhaps Aaron Rodgers can. Um, you know, you put him with Andy Reid, who is one of the best play callers on offense, one of the best quarterback handlers in NFL history, and they're dangerous. But again, they're they're lacking um, they're lacking options at running back. Because Hunt obviously was kicked off the team after, you know, his domestic abuse issues, which seems to be a problem with Chiefs players. And the defense is really not good. They're they're almost historically bad, in fact, especially giving up yards, yardage, I, sh- I should say. And because of that, I don't think a team with a terrible defense typically makes it far in the playoffs. Now, if Patrick Mahomes puts the team on his shoulders and and has an incredible game, which he is definitely capable of doing. Yes, of course they could win. Now, they are built around, of course, again, a young powerhouse quarterback and a great offensive coordinator. The Colts also have the quarterback, Andrew Luck, who is my number one favorite non-Bronco player in the NFL. I, I love Andrew Luck. I think he's an incredible quarterback. Um, tough guy. Uh, and I think that he has found a rhythm in a large part because the Colts offensive line has out of nowhere become one of the best units in all of football. Now their, their rookie head coach has also been really, really good. Uh, he's been an offensive mind and offensive boost to this team and to Andrew Luck. And they are a team again that I think they're, they're very solid all the way around. They don't have great players on offense besides Luck. I mean, Mac is okay at running back. They have um, Hall, or Hilton, excuse me, at receiver, who's obviously very good. And their defense is, is very solid. They have a couple really standout guys. Their offensive line is very good. And so they're a team that that if they can force more mistakes than they themselves have, they can win any game. They can. I think nobody wants to play the Colts right now because they have the quarterback, because they really are playing with nothing to lose. They're, they're a team that wasn't expected to make the playoffs. They weren't expected to win a playoff game. So they're really playing with nothing to lose. And, and when you have a team like that, that is dangerous. And, and all of the pressure is on the Chiefs. All of the pressure is on Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback that is absolutely prone to making a serious mistake. Now, he hasn't done it often this year. But he, he makes so many of those passes across his body and across the middle of the field that eventually it's going to come back and haunt him. And I think that that style of play often gets you killed from the playoffs. And I bet you it happens this year either against the Colts or against the Chargers or Pats. I don't see the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl. But 
we will see. Now, who else do we have? Uh, I think the last game that we haven't talked about is the Cowboys and the Rams. Now, of course, the Rams is another team that's built around their quarterback and their offensive mind. Sean McVay is obviously kind of the offensive genius, the guy that everyone talks about in the NFL right now. Um, But they're also a team that's built around a, a good, solid core at everything. Their defense hasn't been great, but Wade Phillips has found a way to make the best out of the talent that he has. And they're good enough to to succeed in the playoffs, but I don't know. I don't know if they're a team that's going to make it deep in the playoffs. Again, I don't think their defense is good enough. I think that Goff is a good quarterback, but he's a guy that I think eventually is going to make a big mistake and it's going to cost the team. Now, the Cowboys are an odd team that I can't really tell you what they're great at. Now, Ezekiel Elliott is a very good running back. Um, Zach Prescott, excuse me, Dak Prescott is a good quarterback, but I don't see greatness on the Cowboys team. I think they're another team that is just, they're, they're good at a bunch of things. They, they find a way to win. And sometimes that's enough. Sometimes it's enough. So when you're at the Denver Broncos and you're looking at all of these teams, who is the team that you most want to fashion yourself after? Now, I actually think that the team they should fashion themselves after is Chicago and the Chicago Bears. And if you bring in Vic Fangio, obviously that is you know a likelihood of what's going to happen. So you bring in Fangio and you make a very dominant defense. You have a good ground game and you have a young, cheap quarterback. That is oftentimes a way to succeed in in the recent past and in the in the future NFL. That you have a cheap quarterback and you build around him with other talent that that you can spend the money on. You're spending money on the offensive line, on the defensive line, on cornerback, and the quarterback is saving you all that money. And so you kind of recycle through quarterbacks unless you find a great one, like some teams do, say, in in Russell Wilson or in Andrew Luck. But otherwise, you just continually recycle, redraft, and plug around good quarterbacks, good young quarterbacks who don't make too many mistakes. And I think that is likely the way, the direction that the Denver Broncos are headed. They're headed in the direction of the Chicago Bears. They're going to bring in uh, a defensive head coach, though I guess, okay, the Bears had an offensive head coach, of course, but still they're built around primarily dominating on defense, creating takeaways, turnovers, points off of defense, putting your offense in good position to score, you know, with a short field. And so what the Broncos need to do is bring in a young, inexpensive quarterback that can lead them to success and not be expensive. So we'll see what the Broncos do. It's going to be an exciting week. We're going to uh, you know continually update Twitter today and then the next few days to see who they hire. Um, it seems almost undoubtedly, undoubtedly that it'll be Mike Munchak or Vic Fangio. And I hope it's Fangio. I could totally see it being either one. And when it is, then, well, next week we'll discuss... The, the direction of the Denver Broncos and what they should do in the 2019 draft. Yep, that's where we're at, fans. Let's go, Broncos. John Elway, make the right choice, please. <laughs>